doing? Good deal. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. While our choir is coming down, uh, if you are children's church is meeting over to my left, and you're right with Miss Carrie, Miss Misty here, so any of our young children would enjoy going to uh, children's church. We welcome you just to meet them right over here to the side of the Welcome Center, and yeah, I'm sure they got a great time planned for you today. I know y'all have a great time. While they're getting there, if you would, take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we're going to take a little diversion of our, uh, our journey through Colossians and look at a couple of important things surrounding this special time. Palm Sunday is today, and of course next Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, but we celebrate the resurrection every day, amen, especially on the Lord's Day. So we're glad you're here and glad that you're in the house of the Lord with us. Uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, don't worry. It'll be on the screen behind me and in front of you, and you can follow with us as we walk through the Word of God together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. If you found your place and physically able, would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and we're going to read through verse 21. Very familiar to you. I am sure. Here's what the word of God said. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm grateful to God for an opportunity to stand here today. Grateful, Father, that you gave us one more time this side of eternity to gather in corporate worship on this Palm Sunday. Father, we celebrate the great victory that is ours because of the cross. And Father, today may we make much of Jesus and very little of ourselves. And may the Son of God be glorified through the faithful proclamation of the word today. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on this thought, a timeless word or a timeless message for a temporary world. Many times over my journey, 36 years ago this Sunday was the first time I ever stood behind a pulpit, opened the word of God in my home church, Edwardsville Baptist Church, and declared what I really believed the truth of God's word was. I'll never forget opening to Psalm 1 and talking about the walk of a godly man. As much as my heart yearned and burned to do what God had called me to do on that day, can I tell you that these years later, I'm even more convinced, even more excited, and more fervent about a relationship with God and a commitment to his word. I've used this text over the years, but I have learned this about the word of God. You, you can preach this text today, and over time, as God grows you and matures you in the faith, he will show you things 
that you didn't see years ago. Amen? Even though I've used this text, I've never preached this particular message ever. So here's a hot off the press. Amen? We talk about modern conveniences and how we appreciate some of them so much and we all agree it's been a little cool. We appreciate the heat, but is it going to get hot soon? We all agree of our appreciation for air conditioning. Mr. Carrier is my hero. Amen? Grateful to God for him. But I tell you another modern convenience that I've really gone accustomed to that I really like, and it's called DVR. Amen? I mean, you can take these hour-long programs, and in about 41 minutes, you can watch that thing. I love being able to fast-forward through a commercial. I even like it better. We have dish, and it's got a little kangaroo and you can click the kangaroo and it'll hop for you. Amen. I, I just love that because growing up I used to get so uh, agitated, I guess, when you'd be watching a real spiritual show like Happy Days and Fonzie fixed to do something real cool and you go to a commercial. Or in latter years you watch something like Dateline and they get you to the cliffhanger moment and then they say, we'll be right back. Well, I like being able to do that and it's quite... Uh, enjoyable to me to skip the commercials. See, advertisers spend billions of dollars each year and they do so because they're hoping they can just grab your attention long enough that you might be urged to go out and purchase their products. They've used all sorts of forums. I mean, we see them, I mean, radio, newspaper, those things are kind of not where they used to be, TV a little bit. Now the advertisers have turned to social networks and you know, TikTok and all this kind of stuff and chat snap and all that kind of stuff. And anyhow, uh, one of the kids asked me one day, he said, do you really think it's called chat snap? I said, no, I'm just seeing if y'all paying attention. But anyhow, I, I, they learned all these different ways to get your attention. In most cases, their ads or promotions of their products and services always have this tagline. This is for a limited time only. Uh, whether it's a promotion at a restaurant, whether it's a promotion in a retail store, many times those promotions are just for a limited time only. But the message we read today from the pen of the Apostle Paul in the heart of our Heavenly Father is not a promotional message, it is a personal message. It's not for the benef- his benefit, but for ours. It's not of the limited nature, it is based on his limitless name. In verse 17 of this text, Paul identifies the central subject of all that he did would be the preaching of the cross. There's no symbol on earth today that has ever caused so much controversy. No symbol has ever caused controversy, but no symbol has ever created so much hope than the cross of Calvary. Since the day that Jesus died on Calvary, the cross has been a symbol of victory like we talked about in Sunday school today. It's been a symbol of forgiveness and it has been for every born again child of God. The Apostle Paul told the church at Galatia in Galatians 6.14, he said, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's saying this, this world has nothing for me but my Lord has given everything to me. See, the cross has served as an inspiration through the ages, not only for the preaching of the gospel, but for many wonderful songs that declare its timeless message. 
Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Where? At Calvary. Oh, I want you to know when we sing songs like that and songs like, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The great songwriter Isaac Watts put it like this, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. You see, the cross has an effect on all who come to the Lord. So let's look together for a little bit today in the Word and let's, let's learn a little bit more about this wonderful message of the cross, how it is a timeless word for a temporary world. See, Paul gets right to the point as he talks about the intensity of the cross. He gets right to the point because he was writing to a very troubled church. If you studied the beginnings of the church at Corinth, it was a big old mess, amen? A big mess, and he's writing to them to get some things straight right off the bat in the first chapter. His goal was to help them get what was wrong and make it right. The American church today, I believe, if you'd agree, needs a little help, amen? The American church today needs some help, and some might say that the American church is in cardiac arrest, Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, when you go down to the emergency room, if you're in cardiac arrest, you don't want a doctor sitting quietly in a corner saying, let's speak some positive words into his ear and maybe his heart will start again. No, they're going to throw you on the table and they're going to throw everything at you. They're going to hit you with the paddles. They're going to push some epi and all this kind of stuff to hopefully restart your heart so that life will once again be in your body. I really believe today that's what Paul is doing here with the Corinthian church. He sees them in cardiac arrest and he, he chunks them on the table. He says, wait a minute, we've got to talk about this message of the cross, the intensity of the message. See, we have forsaken today in our country what is holy and we have placed it, replaced it with stuff just to make us happy. We're more interested in being politically correct than we are spiritually correct. I want you to know today we have taken what is sacred and we have even replaced it with things that are quite shameful. Paul knew about this. It was taking place in his day just as it is.
How about that? Woo! Let me say it one more time for the people online to hear. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ saved my wretched soul. When I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. Glory to God for salvation through the cross. Amen? Amen. Thank God for that. Living as a Christ follower is a blessing. You know, I told you 36 years ago, April the 13th, 1986, I walked to a pulpit for the first time as a very unlearned, ignorant 15-year-old boy. And some people would say this. If you could go back and change and do something different, would you do it? I don't know about men. Let me talk to y'all for a minute. Sisters, y'all can check out for a second, okay? Look here. Men, we all get to a point in our lives. I just turned 51 this year. I know that's shocking to y'all. Shocking. All right, 51. And we all get to a point in our lives sometimes, Ray, we look back and say, have I made a difference for anybody and anything? Have I done this? Have I done right? And we, we start second-guessing ourselves. Any other brothers honest enough to say, hey, we've all second-guessed ourselves a little bit? Amen. Y'all can repent after church, okay? But look here. We've all second-guessed ourselves a little bit. But can I tell you this? The decision to follow Christ and the decision to surrender myself to his lordship, the surrender to cast my all in all him, and the, the, the decision to follow his calling to the gospel ministry, I can honestly tell you is one decision, even though the devil tries to get us, oh, he messes with us, he tries to get us to think we're not making a difference, he tries to get us to think nobody's listening, he tries to get us to think we're wasting our time, but can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing of more eternal value than any child of God on this earth can do is to live every moment for the Lordship of Jesus Christ and not be ashamed to let the world know that he changed you, made you his own, on and you'll never be the same not at all if I could go back I tell you you know what I did yesterday I, I had to go up through Edwardsville I spent a lot of time in Edwardsville when I was a kid and my grandparents and church and I pulled up in the parking lot and my mind went back to that Sunday morning 36 years ago And I remember walking away that Sunday saying, gosh, I was so nervous. It only lasted seven minutes. Don't y'all wish y'all would have been there? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, could you go back to that? I, no, no, seven minutes, I was done, man, because I was so scared. And I remember saying, Lord, when will the day come that I won't have this nervousness in my heart and soul? And I think he's kind of said to me, son, when you get there, I'll let you know. Because even last night, I sat before the Lord. And I said, God, I'm going to go talk to your people about you in the morning. But I know before I talk to them about you, I better talk to you about them. And I began to share with him the things on my heart and the people I knew that were struggling and the people I knew that had health issues and people I knew spiritual issues and people that said, just asking God so many things. Folks that I love, and, you know, I've been around long enough now, folks I've loved and served in the past. Guy lost his dad last week and I was his pastor for many years and he's out in Houston, Texas now and had to come home for his dad's funeral and I talked with him and I had just lifted him up before God. And I said, Lord, I thought by now 
I might have a little handle on this nerve thing. But you know the Lord really helped me. And he reminded me that it's not really a nerve thing. It's because we're handling holy business up here. I tell you, when I stand before you, I'm handling the two most important things under heaven to God. I'm handling his word. I'm handling his people. And I want you to know I don't ever want to get to a point that I think I've learned how to do that. I want to be dependent on him for everything. I want you to know today there's a great truth. The scripture teaches us that salvation is not just a past event, but it's a present reality. Aren't you glad of that? It's not just an event, it's a reality. But what makes the message of salvation so powerful? Well, I want to help you today in case you forgot. One of the things is, is because it helps us know that we have been saved from our sins in the past. It lets us know that we're being saved from our sins right now in the present and that we will be saved from our sins in the future. We are saved from past, present, future sin. That's the reality of salvation. See, past sins means we've been delivered from the penalty of sin. Presently, uh, we're delivered from the power of sin, but eternally, we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. Aren't you glad to know that someday in glory, we will live in a place where no sin exists? God is good. Every person on this planet today is either a born-again child of God living in the process of daily sanctification or you are an unrepentant sinner in the process of destruction. And friend, I want you to know God loves you. I hear people say, well, God loves us just like we are and you're absolutely right. But can I tell you, he loves you way too much to leave you like you are. Amen. I love what Paul said. Romans 1.16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes. Aren't you glad to know that? To everyone that believes, the Jew first, also to the Greek. That means everybody, the action of the cross. Well, move with me a little bit further. Let's talk about the accomplishment of the cross. Sometimes we skip right over verse 19 because we read those words, it is written. And anytime you read the words, it is written in the New Testament, what does that mean? That is a quote from the Old Testament. Well, right here, Paul is quoting from Isaiah 29, 14. This is awesome. Those words demonstrate, verse 19, the quote from Isaiah 29, 14. They demonstrate the power of God and what can be accomplished. What was happening in Isaiah 29, 14? Well, there was something bad was happening. The Assyrians were about ready to attack. They were poised to attack Israel, and the king gathered him up a bunch of counselors. And he got him some counselors together and they advised him. They said, here's what you need to do if you want to keep the Assyrians at bay. You need to go make an alliance with Egypt. (laughs) But the prophet of God came forward, Isaiah. He told the king, he said, look here. You don't need Egypt. You need God. Can I say to you in America today, all we need is God. We need the power of God today, just like Isaiah's day. So he told the king, he says, I'll tell you what. You you don't need Egypt. You need the power of God. You know what the king did? The king did what most people do, rejected the man of God and went with other counselors that had no spiritual discernment. Sometimes as the pastor, one of the most difficult things is you speak truth and you watch and care for people's souls just like Isaiah did, but they will listen to the counsel of the world instead of the word of God and the man of God. So what happened, Marty? You still with me? All right. Look here, here's what happened. The next morning, 
Egypt didn't show up, but God did. And he sent one angel and slew 186,000 Assyrians. Wow! Now listen, if God can take one angel, move on behalf of the people of God, and slay 186,000 Assyrians in one night, what makes you think that he could not send his one and only son to the cross of Calvary to die on that cross, raise him from the dead, and save our souls from hell? I say he can, amen? Only the cross, only Jesus Christ, the accomplishment of the cross. But notice with me, if you would, another truth. Not only the intensity of the cross, but notice the identification of the cross. Now, the sermon's about to start now. This is really, this is it. You're thinking, man, I was hoping this was, oh, no, 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 no. Well, this was good stuff. You need to know today that our view of the cross changes our spiritual identity. We either embrace the cross or we reject the cross. And regardless of which decision you make, it will affect your eternity. The cross stands between Christians and hell. Aren't you glad to know that as a child of God? The cross stands between Christians and hell, but the cross also stands between unbelievers and heaven. You must come by the way of the cross. When we talk about the identification of the cross, there's a few things to notice. Notice the power of salvation. Notice the word in verse 18, the word saved. Now this is important to note. The word saved in the original language is in the present tense participle and it's in the passive voice. You say, what does that have to do with it? Has everything to do with it. It indicates the inability of being saved to accomplish salvation in our own strength. Somebody else has to show up. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'll never forget this man once years ago. His wife wanted him to come to church and wanted him to come to church. Where? Wanted him to come to church. He showed up on Mother's Day. And you know what happened? He said, buddy, I'll make her happy. She'll leave me alone. She'll get off my back because I went to church. But he went to church. He got in the pew and the spirit of the living God visited his heart and the preacher preached the gospel and he gave an invitation and this old boy came to faith in Jesus Christ. He wasn't planning on getting saved that day. Oh, but when God showed up and acted on his behalf, he could not resist him anymore. Oh, boy. He said, listen, you cannot do this by yourself. Somebody must act on your behalf. Notice in verse 21, there's the word believe. Very interesting. When we talk about believing, there's two views I want you to look at. The first view is the temporal view. The temporal view is this. You cannot know God personally and intimately by human wisdom alone. You just can't do it. So here's what he did. He designed a way to save helpless sinners like you and me. How did he do that? Well, you know what he did? He made the message so simple. <laughs> he made the road of salvation so simple that wise people would define it as foolishness. Wow. 
I'll never forget years ago when God really began to speak to my heart about the mission of the church and, and the message of the cross and, and the things that should matter. I'll never forget how God spoke into my heart and says, son, you can't fix the world. You can't create heaven and earth. But what you can do is you can preach the word. You can equip the people. And you can live as a man sent from God on a mission from God and lead others to live the same way. Amen? That's what it's all about. But there's not only a temporal view, there's also an eternal view. Notice what the scripture said in verse 21. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those that believe. Notice what he said. And notice what he didn't say. He did not say that foolish preaching pleases God. Are you with me? Now I want you to know, my younger days, and some of you would say even today, <laughs> I've done my share of foolish preaching. I was trying to learn my way, trying to find my way, and I tell you, I, I, I'm glad that uh, God is a merciful God. Years after I left my first church, I had some folks call me one day and they said, hey, we found a whole box of cassette tapes of all your sermons from our church in the basement. Would you like them? I said, no. <laughs> they said, well, what you want us to do with them? I said, burn them. <laughs> No, we couldn't do that. I said, dig a hole 28 feet deep and pray that God and nobody can find them. Oh, my goodness, please. <laughs> Done my share of foolish preaching. See, the word preaching here, this is important for you to understand. It does not refer to declaring a message. We think of preaching as the caruso, the heralding of a message. No, it's not talking about that. It's not talking about the act of delivering a message, but here's what he's talking about. He's talking about the content of the message preached. The content. See, that was one thing I didn't have much on years back and needed a lot of help with. And I had to realize that it's not just the act of declaring the message, it's the content of the message. Now, here's the thing. It does not refer to a special technique of communication. Rather, it refers to the content of what is being declared. Why are people so offended at our message? Because of the content. The content says you can't save yourself. It's not the act of a preaching. They can turn the switch, turn the dial. But hear me. It is the content that says you cannot save yourself. Power of salvation. And notice with me, if you will, the perishing of sinners. The word perish is a very intriguing word to me in that text. The word perish does not refer to a future possibility. The word perish refers to a present reality. Now this will help you with your witnessing if you'll stay true here just for a minute. It is not a future possibility. It is a present reality. Here's what's happening. We have to realize that our neighbors around us who do not know Jesus are already perishing. When we view unbelievers who do not know Jesus and are not on the way to heaven but are headed toward an eternal death in hell, it will change the way we get passionate about telling the story of Jesus and attempting to win them to faith in Jesus Christ. In the original language, the word perish means 
that the process of perishing is already underway. Are you with me? It's already underway and it will continue unbroken unless there is repentance toward God and faith is placed in Jesus Christ. That means your friends, your family, your neighbors, your loved ones who do not know God, right now they are in the process of perishing and it will not change until they repent toward God and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Notice again, in verse 18, the word saved, I told you it's in the passive voice. It means that the saving of our soul must be acted upon by another. <laughs> when you read and you're familiar with John 3, 16, where it says that, 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 that whosoever come to him should not perish but have everlasting life, that word perish is not in the passive, it's in the middle. That means the action must come from inside oneself. Oh, this is good. The Bible is saying this, that the activity of God in pursuing our souls meets the activity and the movement within ourselves when we are drawn to him by the Spirit of God. He is drawing us. We move toward him. And what keeps people from perishing is receiving Christ and following him in faith. Oh, the Bible is saying this, when a man perishes... He fails in and of himself to believe on Jesus Christ. So what's our response to the message of the cross? In church, it's one thing to hear a message. It's another thing to receive a message. But how are we going to respond to the message of the cross? Well, there's two things. Stay with me. One, there's got to be a call to action. I mean, I don't know how much you've watched what's going on, you know, in the news. I'm sure you have a lot with Ukraine. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm just, I'm just amazed at their resiliency. I'm amazed at how they have held off. I mean, just, it's just amazing to me what has happened there. We had one of our generals, what did he say, right? 72 hours, Ukraine would fall. What has it been, about 40-something days? And they're taking back territory that got took from them. Their president went on and said, hey, lock and load, Jack. Let's go. All hands on deck. There's a call to action. We've got to defend our homeland. Wow. Well, for Christians, look here. We've got to realize that the devil's taken a lot of territory for us, and he's filled up our wells like he did the Philistines did in the Old Testament with a bunch of junk, and there's some wells that need to be cleaned out. There's a call to action. We cannot be passive when it comes to sharing the gospel. We cannot be passive when it comes to defending our territory. There are people who need to hear the message of the cross. And listen to me, they need to hear it from our lips. People say, well, I just, I'm just, you know, I'm not very vocal. I just live, I just witness with my life. Yeah, witness with your life, but I don't tell you, words are required. Then, listen, if he's alive in you, it'll come out of your lips. A guy told me the other day, I was telling a friend of mine, talking about Braves winning the other night. I told Ted, he was talking about, you know, I said, you know, Ted, I said, Braves baseball and Bama football has a way of turning every Baptist into a Pentecostal sometimes, amen? <laughs> you know why? Because we get excited about those things. When this young lady was uh, publicly declaring her faith in Jesus Christ and when Kate and Keaton went under the water and came out, I tell you what, that's something to celebrate. 
Sometimes as Baptists, I think we're just a little scared that people might say, well, they're kind of a little radical. Look, man, I'll tell you what, it is time to get prepared for glory, amen? It's time for people to see that a relationship with Jesus is not just about getting dressed up and showing up down at the church on Sunday. It's about a lifestyle of walking with the Son of God, and it ought to be contagious. <laughs> they need to hear it. Not only does there need to be a call to action, here's what, it must be, Christ from our altar. One thing I can't stand about what's happened with this pandemic is uh, everything we've ever done in church during times of crisis is to bring people closer. It's the first crisis I ever experienced in my ministry where we had folks, we got a crisis, but we got to spread people out. And I want you to know we did what we thought was right and I, I think we did based on the information we had. We went each day and I appreciate your support and encouragement through all that. And we had a great group of guys that just dove in, did whatever it took. Great group of ladies did whatever it took. And thank God by his grace we're still standing here today. But I want you to know the crises that are coming to this country and to this world, they will not always be fought with tanks and ships and guns they will be fought when people of God get on their knees in altars of prayer and cry out to God to move on our behalf. I believe there ought to be some cries from our altars today and I want to leave you with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, Israel was under attack. Not by the Assyrians this time, but by the Philistines. And here's what 1 Samuel 7, 8 says. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the, to the Lord for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistine. They went to their man. They went to God's man. They went to the man of God. And they said, Look here, whatever you do, don't quit calling on God for us. We need him to deliver us from the Philistines. You know what Samuel did? <laughs> you know what he did? Here's what he did. First thing he did is he gave an offering. His best. He gave an offering. He cried out to God. You know what the scripture says? God answered him. God not only heard him, God answered him. So here's what I'm asking you to do today, okay? I'm asking you to get out of your comfort zone. And I'm asking you to bring an offering of yourself. Amen? And offer yourself before God and say, God, here I am. I am all yours. I place my all in all, my trust in every day of my life is in your hands. I am committing fresh today that you are the Lord of everything. And I will unashamedly walk with you and talk of you and speak of you because you are my Lord. I was thinking the other day about how things are. I remember a long time ago when Angie became my little sweetheart, I rescued her from my, just like you did, Dwayne. We rescued these girls from all these vultures out here, didn't we? We did, didn't we? Dwayne did the same thing. Robin shows up, boy, he's bird watching. You know, he, 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 he did what I did. 
And we thought, here's a pretty new girl in town. We got to rescue them. There's vultures out there, okay? And you know what? Time went on. And she was my sweetheart, and we got engaged, and then we were going to get married. And she told me, she said, we got to go have a picture made. You know, now I've learned that getting engaged is a big deal, man. I mean, you got, I mean, it's a big deal. We went to Kmart. <laughs> it's all we could afford, couldn't we, babe? Don't even exist anymore. You know what kids are saying now? What's a Kmart? I mean, <laughs> God help us. It used to be the highlight of our month when we, you know, Sky City was one thing for us Cleveland County boys, but when you got to go to Kmart, son, it was a good day. So we got a picture made. And she said, well, we got to put this announcement in, in the paper that we're going to get. I didn't know I'd do all this stuff. I didn't know I'd do these special, fancy, uh, uh, you know, proposals and stuff. I, I'm so glad she said yes, because I, you, you know what? We put that little announcement in the, what, another relic of the past, Cleaver News. Um, that was declaring that I was unashamed of her thank God she was unashamed of me and that I loved her and she loved me and that we were going to unite our life together for the rest of our days I ain't never been sorry about that announcement amen but what about our relationship with God why do we want to keep it so quiet why do we want to be so reserved about it? You know why I wasn't ashamed of that? That's because she was the lady of my life. Maybe if he really becomes Lord, because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all, and he really becomes the focus of our love and attention, and he really becomes what makes our heart beat, and what makes our soul sing I believe we'd be a little more open and vocal about this wonderful Jesus see the message is eternal the world is temporal the window of time to win people to faith in Jesus Christ is getting smaller and smaller day by day and how will they hear they don't hear from us. Here's what you say. Preacher, the message is offensive and people get offended. Can I tell you something I read not too long ago? It might have been from Bill Fay in his book, Share Jesus Without Fear. He said this, the world is not near as offended as our message as they are amazed at our silence. Wow. We're worried about them being offended instead of the hope that they might embrace Jesus like we have. What are you going to bring to God today as your offering? Maybe you just cry out to him at all today and say, God, here I am fresh today. I'm all yours. Pray with me. <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' name, <clears throat> I want to thank you for your word today. 
I want to thank you for how it speaks to my heart and challenges me to be more like you. Father, today we've talked about Paul's word to Corinth. We've talked about how that he said this message, yes, it's offensive, but it's the only way to eternity with Jesus. Father, today I pray that in this room today that someone has heard the message of the cross, that there is only one way, and that's through Jesus. And that today they'll make the very best decision they've ever could have made, that they'll step into the nearest aisle during this invitation, and they'll come to faith in Jesus Christ. But God, I want to pray for your people today whom you've already redeemed. Oh, God. make us more like Jesus give us a holy boldness to be unashamed to declare our faith in you that the world will see that you have changed us and we are not our own but we are all yours Father I pray your will will be done I pray that lives will be changed and that you will receive glory from all that takes place. We love you, Lord. We commit this invitation completely to you. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet all across the house. Marty's about to lead us, and before he does, listen. God has spoken to your heart today about any decision you need to make for him. Please don't delay. Please don't turn him away. It's the best decision you'll ever make is to follow Christ. If you're here and you're a child of God, the best decision you can make today is to make sure he's got all of you. In church, the best decision we can make is to cry out to God to help us to be light in this dark world. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. You honor God with your decision today. Again, sing this verse with Marty.
you thank the Lord Jesus for speaking to us today? <clears throat> Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. If y'all hold just a minute there, Robbo, a couple things I need to be. Can I borrow your uh, bulletin there, Mr. Ray? Thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, lost one along the way there. <clears throat> I was just thinking about that chorus. Remember when we started the year 2020, our theme for 2020 was <laughs> no turning back. Amen. Little did we know two and a half months into that year that would really be put to the test. And I just want to tell you I'm grateful <clears throat> for how God's brought us safe thus far and I know he's going to bring us safely home. In just a moment we'll receive our morning tithes and offerings. And here's what we're going to do. If you have your uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offer, I want to ask you to do something different today for the sake of time and encounters. It's just place it in the plate when it comes by, your Annie Armstrong offering, and that way they'll separate it and it'll be good and they get it in the back. So that would help us a lot. Real quick, next week is Easter Sunday. It's a special day without saying. A couple things you need to know. 6 a.m. sunrise, breakfast will be available right after sunrise in our fellowship hall. Two worship opportunities next week, 9 a.m., 1030. I want you to invite everybody you know, uh, especially those you know that are unchurched and unsaved, that need a church home, that need to know Jesus. Invite them to be a part of one of those services next week. <clears throat> and while you're doing that, uh, I believe God will use it greatly. Now, before... Each service, or as it before and after Angie, or just before? Before and after each service, we're going to have, I call it a photo booth, but I've been told it's a photo opportunity, okay? You know, so anyhow, so photo opportunity in our war room, which is on this floor right here, and there'll be people to help you. There'll be a nice Easter scene and all that, you and your family want to have some pictures and some selfies and some ussies and some weebies and all that kind of stuff. Y'all just, uh, but they'll be back there to have a nice place and there'll be somebody to take your picture for you and all that kind of stuff. So if you'd like to do that, that's a great thing for you to remember it, you know, and we, you'll probably want to share it on your chat snap or something, okay? Uh, so do remember that for next uh, Sunday. This Wednesday is our Easter celebration for our kids at 6 during their regular time. Students are back at 6 this week. Adults at 6 since spring break has passed and all God's children went, oh me, amen. I enjoyed spring break. I got to be with my boogie-woogie a pretty good bit. So we got to spend some time together. Uh, so anyway, I do remember that. <clears throat> coming up this week. There's several other announcements and I'm not going to try to read everything there because y'all are much better readers than I am. But do remember these things are coming up. Our Waken City Day, our partners from Utah will be here two weeks from today and the missions conference information is there. Bible reading marathon information is there, how you can sign up. Our concert with, our, with the Gospel 3 uh, Marty Winston and Rick Keith to help raise uh, money for our student ministry retreats May 15th. So their Bible school stuff's in there. Just all kinds of good things coming down the pipe here real soon, okay? So guys, if y'all ready, y'all come. We'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And it's always a blessing to give. It's an act of worship when we cast our dependence on the Lord and we give that what he says is holy, the tithe back to him. Uh, it's all his anyway. He just trusts us to be good stewards. So as you give today, well, you're giving to regular budget, giving to Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American Missions. Just know that you're giving to be a part of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the church to touch the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together and let's join our hearts together as we ask God's blessings on our giving.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you for the victory that we studied about in Sunday school this morning. Lord, I pray that that victory would be obvious in our life, Lord, that our life would be full of the content of the message. Lord, that our mouths would be full of the content, Lord, that others would come to know you. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us where we fail you in that. Lord, I thank you for a young man that, that uh, so many years ago followed your guide, Lord, and, and stepped behind that pulpit, Lord, to proclaim your word, Lord, and that he's still doing that. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to use him, Lord, just continue to fill him with your word, Lord, so that he can fill us with the content we need, Lord, to, to help a lost and dying world. And Lord, we are so thankful for so many things. We're thankful for the young lady that, that followed in Believer's Baptism this morning, Lord, and we're thankful for that example, Lord. We pray that there'll be others to follow her. Lord, we pray for our church. Lord, we pray that you would just use it. Lord, as we prepare to go to Salt Lake, I pray that you'd be preparing the hearts of the children there. Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning as we take this offering, Lord, that we use this as an opportunity to show our gratitude to you for all the blessings in our life. Lord, give us wisdom to use this in a way that would just bring others to you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. announcement I didn't mention. It's not in your bulletin. <clears throat> Y'all forgive me. I got a little bit of a uh, frog in my throat, I believe, so do uh, pray for that. But anyhow, uh, next, two work, we need two nursery workers for the 1030 service next week. Where's Carla? Carla's in the back. Carla's going to be down here in a minute. If you can help with that on Easter Sunday for the 1030 service for the nursery, uh, do, do please see Carla after the service on that. Hey, yeah, choirs today at 4.30? Okay, 4.30, so don't forget that. Last week before Easter. Uh, before we go, y'all remember last week I talked to you about the rope? Anybody remember that? Well, there's one thing I didn't mention about Coach Burtman uh, from LSU when he came up with a hold the rope to his players is I forgot to tell you something just really stirred me. I went back and watched it again, SEC story, you know, real spiritual stuff. And he... Uh, he had a pitcher who was real, real successful in the MLB, Mike McDonald, I believe is his name. McDonald, is that his name, Keith? Did he strike you out, Keith? 
He would have. He would have. Okay. I mean, nevertheless, he became, you know, very successful major leagues. But in his early days, they got to the finals of College World Series, and he gave up a home run that cost them the World Series the first time they went before they ever won it. The next year, he's on the mound in the deciding game, the deciding inning. And Coach Burtman leans over the railing by the thing, and he throws the rope out. He says, McDonald, hold my rope. He threw three pitches, and they went and took a trophy. Inspired him, encouraged him, and reminded him of what they were all in together. So this week, I don't want you to forget, you holding the rope for somebody, and somebody's holding the rope for you. I'm holding the rope for you because I believe in you, and I pray you hold it for me, and I pray you believe in me. Because together, we can accomplish some great things for the glory of God. We've got a bunch of individuals. You ever seen a team that played like a bunch of individuals? and get very far. But even if they're not the most talented or the most gifted, if they come together with one purpose and one heartbeat, great things can be accomplished. Amen? Amen. I'm glad we got to be here today, aren't you? It's been a good day. Amen? Don't forget the rest of the day. I hope you have a great day. Wednesday night, I told you to make sure you're here. And let's just make sure we go tell somebody about Jesus this week. Amen? All right. And don't forget this, church. You know I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Amen? Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out, and I'll meet you around front.